Amen. 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 Y'all let them know how much you appreciate them leading us this morning. Awesome, awesome. Man, so blessed here at Concord. We've got a talent running out of our ears, right? Matt Webb heard yesterday afternoon he'd be leading worship, and uh, just so thankful for him to step up and uh, do that for us this morning. Which, by the way, how would you feel if yesterday afternoon you got a call and said, you're going to lead worship tomorrow for three services? Right? You'd be like, no, I'm not either. I've heard some of you saying you don't need to be. But anyway, so, uh, but I'm glad that he was there with us today. All right? So anyway, we're super excited to be able to continue this series of messages. We're calling it The King is Coming, and uh, this is the the third message in this particular series, and we've kicked every single one of them off so far by looking at our redneck timeline up here. And we call it redneck because everything came from either the dollar store or a closet or the garage. But all of this is designed really just to describe for you what the end times are going to be like, all right? So I'm going to very quickly kind of uh, highlight these major aspects of the end times for the king's coming so that we'll all be on the same page, especially if you're a guest of ours. We want you to kind of know where we're coming from from, all right? So first of all, on the floor here represents everything happening on the earth. Up here above the floor represents everything that's going to be happening in heaven. Now you can see here on the floor that there is, first of all, the church age right behind me. You and I are living in the church age right now. And the church really is not a uh, building. It's actually a company of the called out ones. That's what the Bible says. So we literally uh, realize in the church age that whenever you respond to Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection uh, for the forgiveness of your sin, as soon as you respond to that, the Bible says you are ushered into the church. You become a member of the universal church of the Lord. All right. So you're a part of his body. So this is the age you and I live in. It began after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And it started really birth in Acts chapter 2 when the gospel of Jesus was being shared. Now, the church age will end at any time. I was pausing just to see if it might happen, y'all with me? But it could happen at any time, the rapture of the New Testament church. Now, the rapture, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, is designed to keep you and I from experiencing the wrath that's going to be poured out upon the earth during the tribulation period. And so you and I are not destined for wrath, but with the trumpet of God, the Lord Jesus Christ will come in the clouds and he will call up to meet him in the air, all of those who know him personally. So that's going to happen. There'll be a rapture and then we'll head to the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what this little gavel stands for. And that judgment seat is a time frame for you and I not to be judged based upon our sin, but instead to be judged based upon our service. We're not standing there to be condemned because we're already in God's presence in heaven, but instead we're standing there to find out how we will serve in the coming kingdom. And we will serve in the coming kingdom based upon how faithful we served during our time here upon the earth. So we're going to be judged. We're also going to be dressed, the Bible says, for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Scripture teaches in the book of Revelation that our righteous acts are actually sowing our dress for eternity, and we will receive robes that are white and clean. We will go into the marriage supper of the Lamb, hang out with Jesus, spend some time there. Y'all looking forward to that? Say amen. All right, so while we're doing all of that upon the earth, after the rapture, it'll be a chaotic time, and it will usher in what we call the tribulational period. Now, the tribulation is a seven year time frame, all right? We see that over in the book of Daniel whenever he talks about uh, 490 years. He speaks about the last seven years being a time of great tribulation here upon the earth. Now, the tribulation will end by the second coming of Jesus Christ. 
And whenever Jesus comes, the Bible says he's going to save Israel. He's also going to set up a millennial kingdom. That's where we will rule and reign with Jesus Christ here upon the earth for a literal thousand years. And then following that, there'll be a great white throne judgment. And then we will usher in the eternal state, uh, uh, the new heavens and the new earth. Y'all down with all this? Say amen. So I'm looking forward to all of it. But today, I want to talk to you about two things that will be happening here on the earth after you and I as followers of Jesus are raptured up. I'm going to talk to you about the tribulation as well as the second coming. Now, very quickly, let me talk to you about two major reasons the tribulation occurs upon the earth. Now, this isn't in your notes, but if you want to jot it down, you may uh, just want to know this for future study. But the reason the Lord allows the tribulation period here upon the earth is, one, so that he can gather Israel back to himself. The Bible says in Romans chapter 9 that the Lord God will save all of Israel. And so he's speaking specifically, that is Paul, about the time frame when the Lord is going to regather Israel back to himself during the tribulation and ultimately bring salvation to them. Now, eyeball to eyeball, do not miss this because this is uh, pretty massive to say the least. Before the church was birthed in Acts chapter 2, Whenever you look at the Old Testament, you and I will discover together that God chose Israel as a nation to be his mouthpiece to the lost nations. Their role as a nation under God was to share the good news of who the Lord was and invite people to worship the Lord. They were supposed to be, shall I say it this way, evangelistic. Now, whenever you look in the Old Testament, do not think for a single second that only those of Israelite descent are those who were saved. No, no, no. There were actually Gentiles who came to know the Lord all throughout the Old Testament. In fact, whenever you study the genealogy of Jesus Christ, you will see that there are Gentiles in his genealogy, not just Jewish people. But the amazing thing is that whenever Jesus came the first time, born of a virgin, to be the anointed Messiah for Israel, the Bible teaches us that Israel denied Jesus. They rejected him. They had him put on a cross uh, subsequently, he was buried and resurrected, but in their rejection of Jesus, the Bible says that the Lord has taken Israel now and put Israel on the shelf for a season, and he has birthed the New Testament church, and now the church today is the mouthpiece of God to the nations. That is why we have the mission to go and make disciples of all the nations. That same mission was actually preached to Abraham in the Old Testament when God said, through you, Abraham, and your descendant, you will become a blessing to all the nations. Paul the Apostle, by the way, in the book of Galatians, actually says that, that uh, God was preaching the gospel through Abraham and the promise that he made to him. But again, because Israel rejected Jesus the first time, they were put on the shelf. The church was ushered in. We're the mouthpiece. But whenever the mouthpiece is raptured up, now God in the process of the tribulation is going to be gathering Israel back to himself. Everybody with me say amen. Now, second, that wasn't everybody. Y'all with me say amen. All right, y'all are like, I don't know what's going on, man. Rapture up, down. I don't know where we are. Right now you're at Concord, all right? All right, but the second thing that the tribulation will do is it's going to give an opportunity for the Lord himself to actually pour out judgment upon the earth. 
He's going to pour out judgment upon unbelievers, unbelieving nations as well. But ultimately, the desire is to prepare Israel for her coming Messiah, and that will be when Jesus comes the second time. Now, all of that in mind, what we're going to look at this morning is Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24. All right, y'all? Go ahead and open up your Bible. Matthew, chapter 24. You brought a Bible? Say amen. And a little bit of context for you so we know where we are. The disciples have been following Jesus, all fired up about the coming kingdom of Jesus, arguing about where they're going to serve in that coming kingdom, even saying, I'm going to be better than you are. And they're like, no, I'm going to be better than you. So all this argument. Now, the Old Testament makes a promise that the Messiah will rule and reign from the temple of God in Jerusalem. Now, everybody listen, this is huge. Jesus and his disciples now in Matthew 24 are leaving that temple and Jesus points back at it and says, you see that temple up there? And they're like, yes, we do. And then he says to them, that temple is going to be destroyed. Not one stone is going to be left upon the other. Now, if you're a disciple following Jesus, you're like, wait a minute, because we know that the Messiah is to rule and reign from the temple over the kingdom for eternity. So they have this dilemma in their mind. If the temple is destroyed, how are you going to have your kingdom come? And so they began to press in and ask Jesus, Jesus, you've got to tell us about this second coming because they're confused. You've got to tell us about this kingdom coming to the earth because they do not understand if the temple's gone, how it is all going to shake out. So Jesus in Matthew's gospel, chapter 24 and 25, begins to answer that question. Real quick, eyeball to eyeball. Do not, uh, look at your neighbor and say, do not. All right, do not, look at them one more time. I don't, they didn't believe you. Tell them with, I mean, with gusto. Come on, come on, Nick. There you go. <laughs> Nick's like whispering to it. He's scared to death, his wife. But anyway, so uh, but listen, do not read into Matthew 24 and 25 the rapture of the church. Don't do it. And the reason that you cannot do it is because the disciples aren't asking about the rapture. The disciples don't even know about the rapture because they don't even know about the church yet. So be careful whenever you're reading into stuff that you don't read something in that is not actually there. Jesus is asked about the coming of his kingdom, and that's what he's going to talk about. Now, Matthew 24, I'm going to give you one verse, but I'm going to look at a bunch of them. But let's stand and read one together. Probably one of my favorites here, verse 14. All right? Y'all got it there in front of you? Say yes. The Bible says, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all of the nations, and then the end will come. Let's bow. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for our time. We pray that you would use your word today to speak to our hearts that we might grow in our faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as the word is delivered today, build the faith of your people, and then give us passion. I mean, serious passion, passion to go out and share the good news of Jesus with others. And God, I thank you for what we're about to study. Thank you, Lord, that there is a future. God, you are the one who is sovereign, not only over the present, but also the days to come. So we submit to you, and we trust that you're going to cause all things to work as you have desired and set them out to. And that's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. So you're seated this morning. Now, I've got a lot to preach on this morning. So what I want to do is just give you highlights about the 
tribulation period as well as the second coming of Jesus Christ. I think there are six total highlights I want to share with you this morning. You can jot them down in your listening guide. But go ahead and put this first one down, and that is uh, many people during the tribulation will actually come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his coming kingdom. All right, so many people will choose to put their faith in Jesus and the coming kingdom. Jesus talks about this in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24. In fact, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, he talks about how it will not be easy to respond to the message of the gospel during the tribulation, but some will. But they will face great difficulty. Uh, Somebody say, how difficult will it be? All right, very good. And uh, I didn't really give you a chance to say it, did I? You were like, how? I was like, good job, brother. Love you. All right, well, look at verse 10 and verse 11. Jesus talks about it. He says, at that time, uh, many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. And because lawlessness is increased, notice this, most people's love will grow cold. Verse 13, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Now, very quickly, let's kind of uh, unpack those verses. Verse 10, they will fall away. What does this mean? That means there will be those who reject Jesus. Check this out. There will actually be some who are all for Jesus until persecution comes. Whenever persecution comes, it always weeds out those who are not genuine converts. That's true historically of the church as well. Whenever persecution really is ramped up, only those who are genuine followers of Christ remain. And uh, it will also be the same during the time frame of the tribulation. So many will fall away. He says they'll betray one another and they'll hate one another. Uh, This idea of betraying one another means that they will turn on each other. They will hand one another over to be imprisoned for their faith in the Lord Jesus. In other words, check it out like this. There will be uh, unfaithful among the faithful. Uh, There will be tares among the wheat. And those individuals will began to turn in those who were following Jesus during the time frame of the tribulation. And they will turn them in so that they ultimately can not only just be imprisoned, but also be put to death. And it is going to be a horrendous time where martyrdom is at an all-time high. There will be individuals whose heads are chopped off because they follow Jesus, those crucified on trees. There will also be those who will be set on fire. There will even be some new ways to kill people invented during this particular time frame of the tribulation. And only those who are genuine converts will experience this sort of persecution. But it's going to be massive, man. It's going to be absolutely huge. In fact, you will see here, that the Bible teaches us that not only will many choose at this point in time to uh, respond to Jesus, but jot this down, many will choose to reject Jesus as the king. They'll reject him. So many will be delivered over. They'll be killed. They'll be hated by all the nations. And then also here we see that uh, individuals will experience false prophets Uh, Jesus says false prophets will arise and mislead many individuals. So during this time frame, uh, you'll have people preaching a false uh, theology. They'll be inviting people to turn away from Jesus. Don't believe in this idea of the second coming. That makes no sense. Trust us, they will say. Follow us and you will be safe. That'll be their uh, particular message. All right, and uh, many will follow that. And the Bible says that their lawlessness will actually be increased. It will, their lawlessness. Uh, in fact, uh, degradation. Uh, 
unlike anything you and I have ever experienced or seen with our eyes, will take place upon this planet during the tribulation. Right now in the church age where you and I are living, I mean, sin is increasing all the more. You agree with that? Say amen. Sin is showing up in our media, social media. It's everywhere. It's right. People are clapping and applauding it now, just like Romans 1 said they would. And then during the tribulation, there's going to be that times 10, all right? There's going to be a great moral decline. Many people will be living only for the lust of their flesh and their eyes. They'll be doing only what pleases themselves. And the scripture says their love will grow cold. And this idea of their love growing cold means that they will have no love for others. So they will not be looking out for the best interest of others, but only looking out for the best interest of themselves. And they will be driven by hatred. Jesus says that this hatred will be turned upon those individuals who have responded to the message of Jesus and his second coming. And so it's going to be a massive, massive time of uh, great persecution. But here's something awesome. Verse 13, look at your Bible. Y'all got it there? Say amen. All right, verse 13. But the one who endures to the end, he will be, what's your Bible say? All right, let's try it again. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. Now the question is the end of what? The one who endures to the end of what? Well, it's the tribulational period. And so Jesus is saying that those who respond to me during the tribulation, they will be handed over to great persecution. Some of them will be martyrs for their faith, but some of them will endure and make it all the way to the end of the tribulation. And the Bible says at that moment, they will experience salvation. They will be saved from persecution. They will be saved from martyrdom. And they will be saved by the Lord Jesus Christ when he comes. And uh, what an awesome day that will be. Somebody say amen. All right, so now here's the third thing. Jot it down. Everyone, all right, everyone during the time frame of the tribulation, will hear the message of Jesus and his coming kingdom. All right, everyone on earth will hear the message of Jesus and his coming kingdom. Now, eyeball to eyeball, because when I study this part, this is pretty amazing to me. You and I have uh, really seen the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2. If we kind of historically put it into context from today until Acts chapter 2, over 2,000 years. And our mission is to take the gospel to the whole world. The amazing thing, though, is that today, right now as I'm preaching, there are people on our planet who have never heard of Jesus. Never heard of him. There hasn't been a missionary to get into that community yet. Someone has not gone with the message of Christ. My prayer is that God would raise up and send people out from here to go and share the gospel with those uh, unknown uh, individuals who have a, a really unknown understanding of who Jesus is. So that's all of this time and still the whole world doesn't know. But the Bible teaches that during this seven-year tribulation, uh, real quick, let's do some math, all right? Which is more? 2,000 years or seven years? Y'all are so smart. Y'all are. Somebody said out loud again, how many? Yeah, 2,000 years, but seven years. We've had over 2,000 to share the gospel of Jesus, but in seven years, the whole world's going to hear the message. Now, the question is, how is that going to go down? A few ways. You may want to jot these down. These aren't in your listening guide, but one, the Bible talks in the book of Revelation about 144,000 evangelists who will be called by God during the tribulational period who will share the message of Jesus and his coming kingdom. 
144,000. Many people believe that these 144,000 will be evangelists just like Paul the Apostle was. Matter of fact, Paul the Apostle on one occasion said of himself that he was an apostle who was untimely born. Many believe that when he made that statement, he's saying he wished he would have been born among the 144,000 Jewish evangelists. That's what God's going to do. The same way God called Paul the apostle into the ministry, he's going to call 144,000 Jewish evangelists into the ministry during the tribulation. And they're going to go out set ablaze, man. They're going to be talking about Jesus, his death, his burial, his resurrection. And they're also going to be talking about his coming again. And they're going to be talking about his reign here upon the earth, and they're going to invite people to turn from their sin and trust in Christ. That's going to be the message. By the way, can you imagine 144,000 Paul the Apostles on the planet? Good night. What a crazy time frame that would be, wouldn't it? But that's what's going to be happening. So they're going to be out there, going to be sharing. By the way, just for free, 144,000 has nothing to do with Jehovah's Witnesses. Somebody say amen. Uh, that is not, uh, that, that used to be the teaching of the Jehovah's Witnesses, that there were 144,000 of them until they got more than 144,000. Then they changed their theology. Right, they don't know, this, it's all wrong is what I'm trying to say, it's all wrong. All right? These dudes are going out with the gospel during the tribulational period, they're preaching. People are gonna hear it, now check this out, here's something else gonna happen. During this time frame of the tribulation, there'll be two witnesses who will be sent forth by God upon the earth and they will share the message. Now the Bible says when they share, all will hear. Now, some are like, How are, how's everybody going to hear that? I mean, uh, well, some people have speculated, you know, think about what we're able to do today. I mean, I can do a YouTube video and somebody over in the bush of Africa can watch that video. So some, somehow these two witnesses are going to be witnessed by all people and they're going to hear the message. Now, the thing is this, they're going to hate the message. And the Bible teaches us that they are actually going to kill those two witnesses. They're going to slay them in the streets. And uh, that's taught to us in Revelation chapter 11. And check this out. After they kill the two witnesses and they're dead, they're going to start celebrating. They're actually going to call for a worldwide holiday to celebrate the death of these two men. They're going to be so fired up about it. Finally, these guys are dead. They'll be dancing in the streets. Be like Mardi Gras on steroids. You listening? That's what's going to happen. Now, crazy thing though... Three and a half days later, after they're all dancing around these dead men, this is how I dance, by the way, but after they're dancing around, the, these men are going to get up from the dead, and then they're going to ascend into heaven. That's a buzzkill, isn't it? That messes up the party, doesn't it? There's a problem. What, what just happened? People, everybody's going to see it, the Bible says. So they'll see that. So think, 144,000 Jewish evangelists, two guys out there preaching, they get slain. Three and a half days later, they get up and they are ascending into heaven. And then the Bible says, as well, uh, y'all still with me say yes? Revelation 14, that an angel will fly throughout the earth. An angel will fly throughout the earth and will deliver the gospel and the whole world will hear the good news of Jesus and his coming kingdom. So, so question, who's going to hear about Jesus during the tribulation? Everybody's going to hear. Uh, that's why Jesus says in verse 14, the gospel of the kingdom. Now, look at me real, real quick. What's the gospel of the kingdom? That's talking about the coming kingdom which will be set up upon the earth. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached 
You see it here again. In the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. So check this out. During the tribulation, everybody's going to hear. Some will respond by faith. Others will reject Jesus, even though they've heard it from an angel speaking in the sky. Isn't that crazy? And some people are like, how could they be so hard? Well, think about how hard people are today. There are people that you've shared the gospel with and they still haven't responded to Jesus. And we're pointing to the empty tomb. There are people who are coming to church at Concord and they still haven't responded to Jesus because they're hard-hearted. They've hardened their heart towards God. And even if an angel right now spoke, some people wouldn't respond because they're so hard. All right. Y'all still with me, Sam? All right, so I want you to jot this down. This is huge too, all right? I love this part right here. Um, Maybe I shouldn't say I love it because I'm talking about the Antichrist now. But anyway, uh, the Antichrist during this time is going to arrive and deceive many. That's what the Antichrist will do. Three major words to describe the Antichrist. I give the word charismatic, creative, and also corrupt. All right, so he's a charismatic leader. Uh, The Scripture teaches us that the Antichrist is going to cease wars during this time. Think about it now. The rapture is going to occur, chaos upon the earth. God is not only in the process of bringing Israel back to himself, but now he's pouring out judgment upon the earth. Matter of fact, the Bible tells you and I in the book of Revelation that the first three and a half years of the seven-year tribulation, there will be trumpet judgments and seal judgments poured out upon the earth by God. The last three and a half years of the seven-year tribulation, God will be pouring out the bold judgments upon the earth. So judgment's coming. It's a horrendous time. Raptures happen. Judgment's coming. Now the Antichrist is ripe to stand up. They are looking for a voice on the earth. Somebody tell us what's going on. Somebody give us understanding. And the Antichrist with his charismatic persuasion will come on the scene and begin to dupe all the people into following his leadership. Many people will follow the Antichrist. Matter of fact, uh, we also know that the Antichrist during this time will sign a treaty with Israel. Now, this is interesting. Israel is going to be brought back towards Jerusalem. And as they're brought back towards Jerusalem, the Antichrist is going to sign a peace treaty with them. And he's going to convince them on the planet to remove the dome of the rock which sits on the holy site in Jerusalem and allow the temple of the Lord to be rebuilt there. Now this is an amazing concept. Think about how charismatic this dude has to be because right now the dome of the rock is the holy site of the Muslim faith. Let me ask you a question. If we all got in a plane today and went over to the Dome of the Rock and said, we're going to tear this thing down and build a temple, what do you think would happen to us? It ain't a trick question. We would be put to death immediately. But somehow this Antichrist with his charismatic persuasion will convince even those where the Dome of the Rock is located to move that and rebuild the temple. Which, by the way, Is the temple important to the end times? Without a doubt. That's where the Messiah will rule and reign and set up his kingdom over all of the earth. Remember when Jesus said, this temple is going to be destroyed. Y'all remember this? I'm asking you. Remember that? He said, so so here's what it's going to be like. This temple is going to be rebuilt. And the Antichrist is going to be the one who leads the building program. He's going to be creative too, man. 
Very creative. So creative. Matter of fact, as I studied this and looked at it, I was like, maybe he's really not that creative. Maybe he's just a poor copycat. Because ultimately, that's what he's doing. Did you know that the enemy actually copies the holy trinity of God? And he puts forth his own unholy trinity? You have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Trinity. According to the book of Revelation, you will actually have Satan the Father, Antichrist the Son, and the false prophet the Holy Spirit. It is the unholy trinity. In the holy trinity, the Holy Spirit points to Jesus. Jesus glorifies the Father. That's why, by the way, in the church age, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll always point to Jesus, right? So you point to Jesus, Jesus glorifies the Father. False prophet points to the Antichrist. The Antichrist glorifies Satan. So there's this horrendous copy that will actually be upon the earth and will be propagated, and many, many, many will be duped by it. In fact, uh, he's such a copycat that he actually has, that is the Antichrist, those during the tribulational period uh, accept him and receive a mark upon their hand or their forehead known as the mark of the beast. Uh, the mark of the beast, do y'all know what it is? Somebody say it out loud. Yeah, it's just numbers, right? Say it real, six, six, six. All right, so that's the mark of the beast. He's gonna have, it's a seal upon the hand, but check this out. Today in the church age, when a person gives their heart to Jesus Christ, the Bible says that they are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? So there's the seal of the Holy Spirit in the church age, but in the tribulation, those who respond to the Antichrist and say, we're behind you and we will receive the mark, they'll have that mark on their uh, hands or their forehead. That mark will be absolutely necessary to trade, uh, to buy food. If you don't have it, you don't get any sort of economic privileges whatsoever. All that's going on. The Antichrist sets this thing up. Now check it out. In the tribulational period, in the middle part of the tribulation, the Antichrist who has wooed many it's actually not only going to have this temple reestablished in Jerusalem, but the Bible says he himself, after it is built, will sit down on the throne of the temple in the house of God. And he will claim himself to be God. And he will encourage all to bow down and to worship him. And this time is actually called, that midpoint of seven years is called the time of the abomination of desolation. And uh, Jesus talks about it too. Look at verse 15. Verse, uh, chapter 24, verse 15. You got it there? Say amen. amen. That wasn't everyone. Does everybody have it? Say amen. amen. I'm waiting on you. All right, here we are. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Now look at me, eyeball to eyeball. This is the middle point of the tribulation. The Antichrist will sit down upon the throne of God in the temple that has been rebuilt. And then what Jesus says is, if you are Jewish, you better head for the mountains. Because when that occurs, massive judgments are going to be poured out upon the earth, and persecution and martyrdom is even going to ramp up more during this particular time. Uh, in fact, um, let me just give some of it to you. Y'all with me say, yeah? Y'all got to hurry up. That last three and a half years, there'll be tribulational period going down upon the earth. And uh, the Lord, the Bible said, is going to pour out. Check this out. It's called bold judgments. Listen to what's going to happen. 
the Lord's going to send angels. This is Revelation 16. Uh, angels going to go out, pour out the wrath of God upon the earth. The first uh, bowl is going to cause those, check this out, those who are worshiping the Antichrist, it's going to cause them to be um, consumed with malignant sores. He's going to turn, this is another bowl, the whole sea into blood. Here's another, uh, another one. Springs of waters will also be turned into blood. The sun will scorch men with fire. Sun will. Which, by the way, where the earth is now, uh, if I, you know, don't quote me on this, but if you move the earth about an inch closer to the sun, we'll all burn up. You move it about an inch away, we'll all freeze to death. We're in a perfect spot right now in orbit. But during this time, the Bible says the sun's going to scorch people to death. So I don't know if the Lord's like just going to kind of scoot the earth a little closer or pull the sun a little closer. All I know is it's in his hands. He can do what he wants to with it. <laughs> He's going to dry up all the rivers as well, the rivers of blood. They'll all eventually be dried up. All of this poured out, poured out, poured out, poured out. And then you know what's going to happen on the earth? This is the crazy thing. Oh, y'all with me say, yeah? I'm just looking at my time, all right? What's going to happen here on the earth, though, is that everybody's going to begin to hate Israel and those who are seeking to follow Jesus. And the reason they're going to begin to hate Israel is they're going to say to themselves, the reason all of this horrible stuff is happening is because of Israel. And so we need to wipe Israel off the face of the map. They want to kill every single one of them. And... Um, You'll want to jot this down. That's when armies will gather to destroy Israel. Armies will. They'll gather around Israel uh, to destroy them. And the crazy thing here is that uh, there are going to be all kinds of people uh, just ticked off at Israel, seeking to uh, kill them, seeking to put them to death, remove them, because their thought process is, if Israel is gone, then all of this judgment will stop. That's what's going to motivate them. So the Antichrist will even lead that rebellion, this great battle known as the Battle of Armageddon. But then, uh, then, which by the way, where are we going to be during all this? Somebody say, somebody say eating. So I'm going to ask you again, where are we going to be in all this? Y'all say it like you're for real about you eating. Where are we going to be in all this? Yeah, eating. Y'all still ain't for real. I am. That's where I'm going to be. I'm going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb eating. And then all of a sudden, you know what's going to happen? Jesus is going to get up, and somebody's going to bring him a big old white horse. I'll be like, well, that's, I like that horse. That's, not, that's a nice horse you got there, Jesus. And then you know what else is going to happen? They're going to bring out all of these other horses, and somebody's going to come up to me and say, Levi, here's your horse. I'm going to say, I don't even know how to ride a horse. Do I, do I, how do I get on it? But I'm going to have my own horse. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get right behind Jesus. And so, so are you, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're raptured up, if you're there, you're going to have a horse too. Isn't that awesome? Hey, by the way, don't try to get on my horse with me. All right? I got my own. You get your own. We're going to be out there. And then Jesus, somebody, where are you going, Jesus? I'm fitting to go pick a fight. <laughs> Revelation 19, the Bible says, I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. And he who sat on it was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire. His head has many diadems. He has a name. Listen to this. He has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. Jesus has a name written on him that nobody knows but him. He's clothed with a robe dipped in blood. 
His name is called the Word of God and the armies which are in heaven who are clothed in fine linen. Well, who's that? The righteous acts of the saints will dress them for this marriage and we will be wearing fine linen. So who's that? They were following him, the Bible says, on white horses. And then from his mouth, the mouth of Jesus, comes a sharp sword so that with it he may strike down the nations. What nations will he strike down? When Jesus comes back to the earth, this is the second coming now, when he comes back to the earth, all the nations will have gathered around Israel to destroy them. So when Jesus comes back by the word of his mouth, he's going to destroy all the nations. He's going to rule them with a rod of iron. He's going to tread the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, there is a name written. Check this out. Are y'all listening? Say yeah. There's a name written. King of kings and Lord of lords. Who are the kings, plural, and the lords, plural? You and I, we're going to be on our white horse. We come behind Jesus. Jesus will save Israel destroy the nation, set up the millennial kingdom, and you will reign with him, but he will always be the king of kings. You will reign with him, but he will always be the Lord of lords. And awesome. <laughs> I like what one cat said when he was writing about this. Uh, he said, one breath from the Holy Son of God and all his enemies find themselves helpless to fight back. <sighs> Isn't that Jesus talks about it too. Look, look, look at verse 27 of Matthew 24. The Bible says, Just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes even to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. So how quick is it going to be? It's going to be quick. And here's what the Bible teaches. This is awesome. Zechariah prophesied. Listen to what. Are y'all listening? Yeah. I get fired up about this little part right here. Zechariah prophesied. He said, to Israel during his days, Old Testament prophet, he says, you will look upon him whom you have pierced and you will weep and you will mourn and you will wail. Well, who in the world is prophet Zechariah talking about? He's talking about Jesus. But the amazing thing is he saw him already pierced. So when the prophet Zechariah was prophesying of Israel, seeing him whom they have pierced, he was looking past the crucifixion, past the resurrection, to the second coming. And when Jesus comes, somehow or another, all of Israel will see his pierced hands and they will fall over. Many of them weeping and wailing because they rejected him the first time he came. But God's so merciful, isn't he? He's going to save Israel at that time, usher them into the millennial kingdom. I'm going to preach on that, man. I can't wait. Are y'all listening to me preach this morning? Because y'all are looking at me like I'm making stuff up, man. I mean, I read it all in the Bible. Here, bit So really, it boils down to uh, uh, where are you going to be? Which, whose side are you on? Look at the preacher eyeball to eyeball. No, nobody move. Look at me. You cannot be neutral when it comes to Jesus. You cannot be Switzerland here. 
Listen, you have, everybody makes a decision about Jesus. You've either received him by faith or you're still living in rejection. And if you've genuinely received him, look at me eyeball to eyeball, you will genuinely be changed. And if there's no change in your life, there's no Christ in your life. And some of you, you are churched, but you are not followers of Jesus. Some of you, you've been baptized, but you are not a genuine convert to Jesus Christ. If a little persecution came here this morning, you would run as fast as you could. Because you've not really embraced Jesus. And listen, some of you are like, well, I think he's a pretty good guy. I'm sure he'll be all right with me, Laura. No. Not if you don't turn from your sin and trust him fully. Not if you don't pour out your life before him and say, Lord, no longer is it mine, but it is yours. And when you make that decision, that's when your life changes. And some of you are still prancing around Jesus thinking you got plenty of time. You ain't. You do not have time to mess around. So I'm encouraging you this morning. If you've not placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you do it now before it's too late. Somebody say amen on that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are and what you're doing. Speak to hearts now. For those of you who are here today and you need to be serious about trusting in Jesus Christ, let me encourage you to do so right now. Just call out to him. I'm so thankful the Bible says, whosoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever. I'm so thankful the Bible says that when Jesus died, he shed his blood for the sins of the whole world. Man, that, that's me. That's you. And today, some of you need to respond by faith. Oh, man, I wish I could grab hold of some of you and urge you to give your heart to Christ. But I'm trusting now the Lord to work in your heart. Some of you here today have tried your hardest to ignore push out, sleep through what I've been preaching today. But listen, just because you ignore it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Just because you try to sleep through it doesn't mean that one day the wrath of God will bring down your neck like you've never seen it before. Right now, the doorway of grace is open through Jesus. He died for your sin. He did. And you cannot turn up and snub your nose at the Son of God who was crucified for you and expect God to be all right with it. He will not be. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords who was sent to the cross to bear the penalty of your sin and mine. We should die, but Jesus died for us. Then he was buried and raised again. And now the Bible says, call on him, call on him, and you'll be saved. Man, won't you do that today? Call out to the Lord right where you are. Just say something like this. Just say, Lord, I'm a sinner. And today I'm humbling myself. Today I want to turn from my sin. And I want to place my trust in Jesus. I want to become part of the church during this age. I want to be a part of your mouthpiece, Lord, to share the message of Jesus with others. Listen, if that's genuinely the prayer of your heart, the first step of obedience is baptism. We're celebrating baptism next service and would love to set up an opportunity for you to be baptized. So listen, I'm not going to beg you to walk down this aisle, but if you've given your heart to Jesus Christ, I want you to know something. Jesus is not a beggar. He's a king. So when we stand to our feet this morning, if you've given your heart to Jesus Christ and you need to be baptized, let me invite you to leave the place where you've been seated. You come forward. We're only going to sing one verse now, so you'd be speedy with it. You come forward. We want to pray for you, help you out, 
set you up an opportunity to be baptized. God may be calling you to join this church as well. If that's the case, you'd be obedient to the Lord this morning. And Father, we give you the invitation. Pray that you would work as only you can. And we trust that you will in hearts. God, soften hearts that have become hard. Lord, shatter. Lord, your word says in Jeremiah that the word of God shatters the hard heart. Shatter hearts here this morning who have been hardened towards you. God, we give the time to you. Pray you'd work in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet while we sing. You come this morning.